Jet Bowling is a proud sponsor for Above180.com. Want your score to soar with a new Jet Altitude or any other great ball in the current lineup? Go to JetBowling.com, enter coupon Above180, and listeners can get a great discount. Jet Bowling, taking your game to a maximum altitude. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today is President and CEO of Mulrich Enterprises, Mo Pinnell. Mo is also very active in bowlingchat.net, so make sure you check him out there as well. Mo, it's Tim Berg and Joe Serrar. Thanks for waking up with us today. Oh, Saturday morning and a cup of coffee and talking to two intelligent individuals. It's a great way to spend the morning. Are you drinking Irish coffee, Mo, or just regular coffee? Just regular coffee. I love my coffee in the morning. All right, well, we'll start the interview off today with uh, your new product on the market coming out soon. All I know is the name. The name is the Locomotion. You want to give us a little bit of information about the new ball, Mo? Sure will. The Locomotion name came from suggestions at Bo- on Bowling Chat, as you mentioned. One guy in one of the posts said, you know, the, new, the next motion ball should be Locomotion. So guess what? We did it. And, uh, yeah, the Locomotion is an interesting ball for us. It's a, it's a look that I've wanted to do for a long time. It's a very good, what they call on Bowling Chat, a THS look, a typical house shot look. Uh, it gives you a lot of come around on the back without reading the mid lane hard. So, uh, and, Joey, don't pass out on this one. It comes polished. So Mo Pinnell's going to do a polished bowling ball. I thought you normally hide the polish, Mo. Normally we hide the polish, but there's a need, and a need in my line for a ball for these wet-dry typical house shots you and I read so much about on Bowling Chat. So uh, it's a real good ball. Uh, in order to describe it, we can get into a really interesting discussion on the difference between cover-dominant balls and core-dominant balls. Core-dominant balls read sooner on the lane, and as they hook, they lose tilt and stand up. The word you guys, we all use it once in a while, is the ball faces up real well, and it reads firmly off the mid lane. Those are cover-dominant. Those are, excuse me, those are core-dominant balls. Cover-dominant balls get later down the lane and give you the big continuation on the back without the hard stand-up. So you don't get as defined a break point, but you get the big sweeping hook on the back. We haven't done a ball like that in a long time. So that's what this ball will do. What we did is we took the uh, core that we've used in the perpetual motion and the aggressive motion and reduced the diff on that core to 0.44, which gives it medium flare. And then we combined it with a level four super cover that we call high track plus. So it's a strong cover, one notch down from our strongest, with a core that has medium flare. So that makes it a cover dominant ball, and you get that big sweeping hook on the back that a lot of guys are in favor of, and it actually works really well with guys with lesser tilt or guys that throw it a little bit slower. This ball will work real well. It's a, it's a different look for us, and uh, it definitely expands the spectrum of motion from Mo Rich. 
Now, is this a, a pearlized cover mold? Yes, black pearl and silver pearl. So we got a pearlized cover, polished cover, a smaller flaring core. So primarily what you're saying is this ball will kind of read the late mid-lane portion of the lane, good for, you know, second shift, beat-up shots, or guys with a little extra hand, or slower speeds. Players that are always fighting that early read on the lane should be able to go to this product and, and see that extra push and reaction down lane. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely true, and it, 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 it's, it's a look that we haven't done in a long time since the days of the Mojave and some of those balls, and I felt that at this point we wanted to make sure that there was a low-rich ball in our arsenal that would work for absolutely everybody. And it's a nice change of pace, and it expands the bowler's uh, spectrum. You can do a strong drilling and double-thumb it, and it will work as the lesser hooking version for guys that uh, like balls that firm up in the mid lane. Or you can do just a standard symmetrical drilling on it, and it'll give you that sweeping hook on the back. So, Mo, when you touch base and, and talk about double-thumb drillings, I mean, I understand exactly what that is. Maybe you should explain that to our listeners. Okay, sure I will. We came out with that in 2007 when I did an expansive study of CAD work with Paul Reidenauer, who was then the senior research engineer for the USBC. And we did a study together for what was called the Emerging Concepts for IPSIA. And what we tried to do is say, where would we locate a balance hole that would maximize the differentials of the drilled ball in order to make the ball, turn the ball into a monster, so to speak. And the answer is, is you lay out the ball so that you get maximum flare and you got the uh, pin near the VAL. The actual layout depends on everybody's different PAPs, but the pin to PAP distance is four inches and the VAL angle is 30. Now, somebody will say, hey, you know, it's not three and three-eighths and 20 degrees to VAL, which should be the strongest. Well, the reason we did that is when we did the exhaustive study with CAD, we found out the low RG axis moved. And when you put it four inches from the PAP 30 degrees to the VAL, on most bowlers with most layouts, it ends up a three and three-eighths by 20 degrees after drilling. And we're interested in after drilling. And you lay it out if it's asymmetrical, so the, the PSA is near the thumb. If it's symmetrical, Joey, you know as well as I do, that on a drilled symmetrical ball, the PSA goes to the thumb hole anyway. That's correct. So the preferred spin axis, which is the mass bias, which is the high RG axis, ends up near the thumb. So if you remove mass from the preferred spin axis, you add to the differentials because you raise the RG of the high RG axis, which gives you a bigger difference from the low and from the intermediate. So you add to the dynamics of the ball. So what you do with a double thumb drilling is you put the balance hole right next to the thumb hole, drilled absolutely parallel to the thumb hole so that it doesn't intersect the thumb hole. It's just another hole slightly in for a right-hander to the right, left-hander left, on the right of the thumb hole and is parallel to the thumb hole. Right. You so so that, typically you must add right lateral pitch to that hole for a righty so it doesn't intersect yeah. with the bottom of your drilled thumb hole, correct? Right. Let's go back, and Julie, you've been doing this for a long time. We'll go back to when they originally taught us how to do three-finger drillings. And this is way back. This is archaic science. 
what they did is they drilled the middle finger hole, and then rather than measure the pitch, all they did was crank the drill press sideways so that they missed the middle finger hole they had at the right distance, and the hole was parallel to the middle finger hole. You can do the same thing with this. If you're questionable whether you're going to hit the thumb, just line the, line the, the drill bit up as if you're drilling the thumb hole with the pitch that's in the thumb hole, and then crank it sideways until the hole misses the thumb hole, and that will make sure it's parallel to the thumb hole so that it doesn't intersect. Yeah, and if you're doing it the way we learned it, the way we do it today with absolute pitch, you've got to add right lateral pitch to that hole so that it doesn't intersect the thumb hole down below. But what it does is it blows up the diffs of the drilled ball, and with very strong cores, some that we've designed, you can add as much as 55% to the differentials of the drilled ball by using a double thumb thumb hole, a double thumb balance hole, and making it big. And you can go up to a quarter of an inch now, inch and a quarter rather. You can go up to an inch and a quarter, even though it's pitched. Those are the rules with the USBC now. So, Mo, right, and I have verified this, Mo, and what can bowlers typically see in ball motion? Say, on a typical house shot, when they, say, change a symmetric ball into a double-thumb drilling ball, what, what motion difference will they see? First of all, it will pick up a little bit sooner and a lot harder off the spot because you're really intensifying the, you're, you're adding so much to the, both the differentials, the intermediate and the total depth. So if you're getting a ball that's lazy off the spot on a THS or on any pattern you're bowling on, you punch a double thumb hole in it, and as you know, it's a significant difference in how hard the ball reads, reads the break point, isn't it, Joey? Oh, well, without a doubt, Mo. We've seen as much as three to four, five boards stronger back-end motion on, on certain products once we drill that thumb hole in, the, the double thumb hole, weight hole, that is. Right. So, you know, you can use it. The big deal on doing double thumbs is to make sure you have a long pin to CG distance so that your CG ends up below the midline and to the right of the center line, which allows you to punch this hole in there without worrying about getting excessive finger weight. So you need long pin balls for it, and uh, we're getting lots and lots of calls of long pin balls. It's amazing how you talk to distributors and uh, different manufacturers, and there's a bunch of people that order two to threes because they like to do the older drilling techniques, but then you've got a whole bunch of people that want four-plus on all the balls they get, and you know as well as I do because you're a very active driller and pro shop operator. If you take a bowling ball with low top weight, less than three ounces, say, in the 2.2 two to 2.7 area, and a pin out four to five inches, you can drill that any way you want. There isn't a drilling you can't do with that kind of a bowling ball, am I right? Well, with, without a doubt, Mo, your, your, your options are, the, the oyster is your world when you have a ball with those, those numbers, without a doubt. That's right. And so that's what uh, we get a lot of calls because most we get a lot of techie customers. We get a lot of calls for four-plus pins. Right. And, and the days of heavy top weight giving a ball more down-lane motion are basically a thing of the past with, with two-piece construction. Uh, yet there's still ball drillers that believe top weight plays a part compared to bottom weight, and you know as well as I do, it, there's nothing that could be further from the truth. I understand that, and it's amazing because there was a professional bowler, just quit bowling, we don't need to mention him, just quit bowling professionally, that no matter what you taught him or what the guys for the companies he represented taught him, he says, I know one thing, the ball's got to have more than three ounces of top weight or else it won't, 
or else I won't get back in reaction. And you and I both know that that's a fable and a myth. That's all smoke and mirrors, Mo. Again, sure is, babe. Again, joining us on the podcast is Mo Pinnell, president and CEO of Mo Rich Enterprises. Mo, going to have to take a quick time out here. Going to come right back, and we want to get your thoughts. Uh, reading what you posted, uh, your initial thoughts to the USBC open pattern, want to get you to come on and kind of explain a little bit what you think the pattern is going to play like this year, what folks can expect as they head down to Baton Rouge for the USBC open. So that's going to be next here with Mo Pinnell. You're listening to the Above180.com podcast with Tim Berg. Joe Sarar and Mo Pinnell will be right back. This is Lee from BowlerX.com. If you're looking for the best prices and service after the sale on the Internet for bowling balls, shoes, bags, and accessories, come check out BowlerX.com. We carry products from all the major manufacturers. All in-stock orders ship out to you the same day. And best of all, we ship your items fully insured for free. That's right. We don't charge for shipping on any item we sell. Look for BowlerX.com at the 2012 USBC Open Championships in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In conjunction with the event, we will be awarding one lucky winner with a $500 gift certificate, good for anything we carry. Simply go to www.bowlerx.com between February 10th and June 30th, 2012 to register. We'd also like to congratulate John Tassano of Seabeck, Washington, who was the winner of our $750 Brunswick Arsenal giveaway. John walked away with four high-performance balls from Brunswick and a KR Strike Force four-ball roller bag. BowlerX.com is the online bowling superstore and a proud sponsor of Above180.com. Looking for some added competition? Having a hard time finding a tournament in your area? Tired of all the added expenses in traveling to a tournament? VirtualTournaments.com was designed to allow bowlers to use their league scores towards a national tournament. VirtualTournaments.com has multiple divisions available, along with brackets and high-game side pots. Visit VirtualTournaments.com today for information. VirtualTournaments.com. Real bowlers, real scores, real money. We're back. Mo Pinnell, Tim Berg, Joe Sarar on the Above180.com podcast. Mo, want to switch gears a little bit here. Uh, Tell us, the USBC Open just, just got rolling down in Baton Rouge. want to get your initial thoughts and reaction to the pattern that was uh, put in place by the USBC for a stable on this year. It's, uh, it's going to be shocking to some of the people. I personally thought that the pattern they designed last year was absolutely perfect for a national championship. Uh, there was a lot of criticism in how high scoring it was and how certain teams, if they knew how to play them correctly and broke them down correctly, had a distinct advantage uh, in playing the pattern. But teams that bowl together and how to break modern bowl lanes down will always have the advantage. And, uh, for example, you saw a lot of teams that shot like 1,000 the first game and 1,100 the second game and 1,200 the third. So I believe that the pattern they're using this year is a re- reaction to that scoring pace. Now, they're going to use 25.2 milliliters in the pattern, and it's 39 feet, so it's a little bit shorter and two milliliters less. And uh, that's going to create some interesting issues. I know personally I've done a lot of lane conditioning this year. I know personally that if I have a five-man team with a lot of good bowlers and guys with rev rates, my typical house pattern has 26 units of oil in it. This has 25.2. My typical house, my typical good house shot right now, uh, even though it doesn't have a lot of oil in the center at the back of the pattern, has 100 to 125 units in the front of the lane in the heads to make sure that the heads don't break down. Uh, the pattern they're using this year has got 75 units in the head. 
So that tells me that the heads are not going to stand up and the shot, the lanes are going to break down fairly quickly. So uh, if you look at the pattern, to me, it's going to play the gutter. You're going to have to play, you're going to have to be successful by playing a break point outside of six. And as the lane breaks down, because there isn't what I would think is a lot of oil in the heads, as the lane breaks down, you're not going to be able to move in because there's always going to be a whole lot of people throwing the ball up their normal place or starting where they normally bowl in league. And when you move in, the heads are going to hook. So here's what I see. You start playing out, and as the lane breaks down, you start balling down so you keep your feet and target in the same zone just like you were a left-hander. This is the way left-handers play. So this is a left-handed shot on the right side of the lane to me. And uh, what's scary to me, and I've already had some comments from people that are out there and been posted that it's going to be ugly this year, is the problem you're going to run into is the bulk of the people who go to the USBC Nationals are league bowlers that want to go bowl out of town, want to have a pleasant, positive experience. Uh, they may take their families with them. They may take their wife with them. But they want a vacation, bowling vacation is what they're looking for. The problem that they're going to run into is that when they get there, in my opinion, they're not going to be able to play anywhere near where they play at home. And I think that puts them at a distinct disadvantage. As the lane breaks down and in the second squad on the oiling, I think you're going to have to play the lane either of two places. You're going to be on the first arrow or the fifth arrow. And everything in between is going to be troubled because if it rolls early, it's going to hook. And then if you swing it and get it outside of eight, it might hit the mechanic in the forehead. So that's the way I look at it. You're going to have to find a zone. I'd play them out. I'd have everybody play out. I'd find a zone, and I'd ball down with symmetrical balls probably as, as the lane breaks down. And this pr- presents an interesting challenge to bowlers because guess what? The balls you drill at home that gives you that nice continuation you're looking for may be the worst thing you could have in your hand at this tournament. So uh, it's going to be a sequence of bowling balls, not just one bowling ball, and it's going to be a motion you don't use at home. A gradual, either two, two motions are going to work the way I look at it. It's either going to be a nice gradual soft hook that doesn't cover a lot of boards, or it's going to be a hook-stop reaction so that you don't cover too many boards. When you play a zone, you don't want to cover a lot of boards. And a lot of these drillings that we recommend, and Joey, you know what I'm talking about, these guys like to see that big continuation when they bowl at home. The big continuation here is going to get you in a lot of trouble. So, Mo, are you seeing then that this pattern would play play better for the power players, for the strokers, for the tweeners, or for just the guys who can play straighter? I mean, if you're, if you're a power player but you can take your hand out of the ball, you're probably going to do all right on something like this. You're going to do all right if you have the right ball in your hand. To me, this is an equipment contest. And then I guess, and then you have to probably deal with uh, a little bit on, on taking the advice of the folks that are down there already, the people that are coming back, and, and the feedback that you see uh, from bowlers that have already bowled, correct? As a matter of fact, yeah. You're going you're gonna to go in there and, and try to observe. I'd suggest you go down and watch a squad bowl, or squad or two bowl before it's your turn to bowl. And you may have to, and it might be a good year for the for the. Uh, Ball drilling booths that are down there, because go see somebody that's been down there and has experience. They'll have some experience as to what worked and what balls worked and whatever line they're they're uh, selling. And uh, you may need to figure on getting the ball when you get down there. 
you understand what I'm talking about, Joey? It's the old rule that was true on the PBA tour is the balls, there are balls that work at home and there are balls that work on the road. Don't use the balls that work at home on the road. Don't use the balls on the road that work on home at home. Well, by the you, you're very right there, Mo. There's times you'll bring a ball that you'll feel will least likely give you a good look and it will give you the best look. Now, talking ball layouts, Mo, for most players, say somebody with an average rev rate of around 300 to 320, uh, average tilt numbers and rotation, what type of layout, in your perception, would, you, would give them the correct look on this pattern? Well, if you, and, and I would think the average guy's in the 250 to 300 range in RPM, but you're right in that. We're talking about 13 degrees of tilt, 55 degrees of rotation. Those are the standard uh, right. median numbers we use. Uh, I have asymmetrical balls drilled with pins four to five and a half inches from your axis uh, with small drilling angles and bigger VAL angles so the ball rolls up in the mid lane and doesn't continue. You know what I'm talking about, Joe. That nice continue makes one move and sits right in the pocket. Right. That, Pins that, below the fingers you're talking well, it could be just, I would do it just above the fingers, but somewhere in the area of the finger holes. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Either just below or just above, depending on how much tilt you've got. And your, v, and, your v, and your PSA kicked out to the right. And I wouldn't put a lot of surface on that. I'm looking at like a, like a 4,000 smooth on that. No polish, but 4,000. So you get the ball that's, make one move in the mid lane and then roll forward into the pocket. That doesn't cover a lot of boards. That gives you a hitting power. And then the other thing I do is I do control reactions on symmetrical balls. Symmetrical balls with the CG about a half an inch positive and the pin four and a half, five inches from your axis. Looks like it's going to be true on both of them for different reasons. And the pin's either just below or just above the fingers. So I'm not looking for anything that's going to cover a lot of boards. And you know we talk about it on Bowling Chat, and you and I have talked about it. You get your pins out around three and three-eighths inches from your axis, anywhere in that area there, three, three to three and a half inches from your axis, and you've got to cover boards with those kind of pin-to-PAP distances. Those are going to be out of bounds here. And I'm just afraid nobody, the guys that go out there to have a good time are going to go out there with their favorite ball from home, they're going to throw it, and if they miss in, it's going to go left. And if they miss out, they're going to wave at it. So, Mo, you, you mentioned earlier, you alluded to, you, you've, you felt that this is an overreaction to the scores from last year. So I'm guessing then you think the score is going to be lower. The pace is going to be definitely lower this year, at least among the, the, uh, the average bowler, like you're saying, the typical house shot bowler. But does that really mean the scores may be lower on the bottom, you know, on the, from us, from the, the local guys? But the good teams, the Turbo 2 and 1s and the Lynn's Laker type teams, they're probably they're still going to figure this out and, and hit it before they, you know, once they get out there. They'll figure it out and hit it, but the scoring potential is lower. It's much lower. They're not going to, uh, they're not going to have as big a scores as they had last year. They'll be on top, but they're not going to have as big a scores. The scoring potential is going to be down. That's what I see. Right. I, I agree, Mo. You know, looking at that pattern, to me it looks like the more you can keep your break point in front of you, the better. In other words, you want to keep your launch angles a little bit more direct through the front part of the lane, mm -hmm. and you want to control the ball when it comes off that pattern. Exactly. And I'm going to tell you this. 
and I, I put it down in the in the center that I do a lot of work with here. And you, you know, Joey, I've been doing a lot of lane conditioning stuff. The center, I just put it down there, and I watched it bolt on yesterday because I loaded it. I was out of town, so I loaded it, and I watched it bolt on yesterday. My, here's what I'm saying: your break point's going to have to be outside of six. I like two, three, four, two, three, four, five for the break point, and you're going to want to lay the ball down. You don't want to lay the ball down on in the heads, the laydown area, left of about 12. Because once you get left of 12, they're going to be hooking after a while because of the normal play in there. And the heads are going to hook, and you're going to start to get it, – it, it's not going to get to the break point the way you want it to. And so it looks to me like your laydown area has got to be right at 12, and the break point is uh, going to be down lane uh, 2, 3, 4, 5. You know somebody that I know very well, Joey, that I think will absolutely smash this pattern, just to talk about the type of ball that will smash this pattern. And you know Brian Brazo as well as I do. Brazo oh, Brian be... can't play the gutter? Come on, Mo. You, Brian should be licking his chops on this pass. <laughs> Ray... yeah, Brian, Brian owns that gutter, and uh, you, you're right. That, that whole team could definitely shoot some lights-out scores. And they're from your area, most of them. They either were from your area or they are there currently. And and, and uh, a Walter Ray-type player, uh, Walter Ray would just have a field day on this. Again, joining us on the Above180.com podcast is the president and CEO of Mo Rich Enterprises, Mo Pinnell. Mo, always great to chat with you. We're going to have to do this again. Uh, last time we had you on, had a lot of great reaction to our podcast. Uh, people love hearing you and Joey just sit and, and talk about ball motion and ball shape and, and, and the, the cores and stuff. And I just sit back and listen because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just soaking it all in as we continue to move on here. But, Mo, we're going to have to have you back again sooner rather than later uh, to discuss uh, everything that's going on with Mo Rich and, uh, and everything else that you, you're, uh, you're involved in. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I like to see the right things happen that help bowling survive, and there aren't a whole lot of good things going on at different times. And, uh, yeah, I just want people to know that if they can get prepared properly, the Nationals could be a lot of fun. But uh, you ain't going to be able to play them the way you do at home. That's the only thing I say. For Tim Berg, Joe Serrar, Mo Pinnell, good luck and good bowling.